Jenkin and I'm the president of the Port Madonna and District Maritime Museum. Some people classify me as a local historian, but I just think I'm one who knows perhaps a bit more than some of the others. Right in front of us, we've actually got some copies of some of the entries into the logbooks, which are quite fascinating. Let's go through some of those. We'll start with the 20th of March, 1892. Passing ships were all reported at 5pm by the second keeper's wife on account that uh, the second keeper was ill. Um, she took on considerable duties during that time, which was unusual because the role of a female in a light station was basically taking telegrams, making telephone calls, but basically supporting their husband. So the woman's really taken on the role of the lighthouse keeper while her husband's got sick, which is definitely uncommon for that 1892 year. In that same year, another part of where the wife enters into the story, we've got on the 13th of December 1892, bit of a lover's block. Yes, that was when the third keeper, Mr Backett, and actually I'm not sure whether it's Backett or Racket. Our research shows that it may have been Racket. But anyhow, he was married at the lighthouse station at 4pm to a Miss Eve M. Jacobs. Wow, so a wedding at the lighthouse. Would you call that common? Um, I have heard of a couple of, of weddings up that way, a couple of funerals and, of course, the, the occasional childbirth too. So not, out of, not, not uncommon. So going through the logbooks now, we're up to the 12th of July, 1895. This doesn't look too good. What happened then? There was a telegram that was sent to the Secretary of the Marine Board at 7.30am and it explained that the second keeper, D. MacArthur, was, had been found dead in the lantern and I presume that's at the top of the lighthouse uh, and that was by his son, which was an unfortunate incident. They sent for the trooper and the Justice of the Peace, and they removed the corpse to the Justice of the Peace's cottage. And uh, then they had to find out what was going to happen about getting someone to relief that lighthouse keeper. What happens to the bodies? Well, back in those days, there was no refrigeration. And I have read on several occasions that uh, people who had died had been taken to the local hotels and put in the cellars, which would have been certainly a lot cooler, and uh, until they could get somebody from Mount Gamba to collect them because, let's face it, in those days we're talking horse and cart days and a long trip. Now, it wasn't the safest of jobs. Through these log books, it's documented quite a lot of injury. Yes, January the 6th of January, 1954, uh, Mr Fulter, who was a lighthouse engineer, had his left thumb caught in a lantern room door. Uh, it was fractured and lacerated, he was sent to Mount Gambier immediately to get medical attention. Obviously, there wouldn't have been a doctor down here. And another day on the 24th of June in 1955, which is over, well, it's a year and a half later, um, a lightkeeper's son by the name of David had the top of his little finger on his left hand taken off when the door leading to the garage slammed on it. I think there would have been some little yelps and, and screams from, from somebody like that because that would have hurt. I think so. It's not, not the safest of jobs. I don't know how they would fare with uh, workplace rules these days. Uh, fortunately, there weren't workplace rules then. Getting back to the 11th of February, 1905. This is something that we still see every day, isn't it? Yes. We've got to remember that this is in the current lighthouse that this one occurred, and it was reported that on a Saturday, this particular person went to Port Macdonald and didn't return till very late that night. When he was called to go on duty at 10pm the next day, 
it was reported that he was so intoxicated that it couldn't keep his watch. We've also got to keep in mind that although the lighthouse wasn't an isolated one, like a lot of them are, this one was fairly close to the township, but to get any form of communication with other people, they would have travelled down to the township. And obviously that's what happened this night. He came down there to the pub, perhaps for one or two, and perhaps had three or four or a few more. What do you think that life as a lightkeeper would have been like out here in Port Macdonald? Well, interesting, I spoke to, being a teacher, spoke to quite a few of the students from the Allendale School who were living at the lighthouse, and that's the current lighthouse, and they found it quite interesting and unique job for their parents, and therefore when they talked to other students, they had a completely different story to the farmers or the fishermen. So in their case, they probably felt very proud that they had a story to tell that was completely different to other people. Those who lived in townships like Port Macdonald, they had schools to go to, so it really didn't give them that isolation like some of those who lived in lighthouses on islands off off the Australian coastline. But they certainly became part of the community, and of course as communication and as transport improved, it made them very much part of a local community. Now, we do also have a ghost story with the Cape Northumberland Lighthouse. Well, this one was reported in the advertiser, and I'm not quite sure um, exactly when it happened, but it was it would have been around about the 1977, 78, 79. And it reported, and I'll quote it, it is the unidentified spirit of a woman, however, purportedly clothed in 1950s fashion. And this person was reported by Mr John Jordan, who was then the keeper at Cape Northumberland, and it was reported in the paper. There were a couple of incidents, but the second one, the first one was at a different light station, but the one that happened down here was a more communal experience. The man living next door to Mr Jordan at Cape Northumberland saw the same ghost in his house on the same night about a year ago. And he said, I was just lying in bed when this woman appeared at the end of the bed. She was looking at my wife and smiling. Oh, I smiled back at her and all that, says Mr Jordan. The clothes she was wearing were a bit out of date, but not really old-fashioned. She was playing with the ends of a scarf she had on her head. I've no idea who she was either. All of a sudden she just vanished, like the one at Jaffa, right in front of me. He went on to say, I didn't tell anyone about it, but the next morning the chap from next door came up and told me he had seen exactly the same thing, which was strange. A bit spooky. A bit spooky, yes. (laughs) 